really like that or are they like faking it? I don't know. They just show up to men conferences to do that, I think. But no, I don't know. And we learned some other things. You know, one of the one of the sessions that uh, talked about just men being men of uh, kind of like a brotherly affection. And they talked about you know maybe not getting to the point of giving holy kisses or anything like that, um, like the Russian uh, Russian skaters do or something. But um, more like um, you know, it's kind of like they, one of the things he said. You know, it's it's possibly he said it's probably 65 percent true. But the handshake originated back in the days when someone would just stick out his hand and say, I'm not going to kill you with this hand or something like that. And so they shake hands. And so we've been, we've been having fun being like, hey, I'm not going to kill you this morning. But having some fun with that. I think there's some good things. Uh, I appreciate a lot of the thoughts the guys shared in the tie-down times and, and things like that. Um, one of them, I'm just going to share one thought that I felt like God put on my heart, and then we'll uh, pray and, and finish off our series here. But... Uh, one of the sessions, you know, the theme in general is about spiritual warfare. And so we spent some time in Ephesians chapter 6 just talking about um, being strong in the Lord, putting on the armor of God, things like that. But um, uh, one of the things Pat said when he was talking was just kind of the idea, threw out a phrase about when you start your day off in the morning, approaching it with even a simple sentence like, Today I go to war. And when you connect with God in the morning that you're putting on your armor, you're getting ready for entering into a spiritual battlefield. It's there whether you recognize it or not, whether you're prepared for it or not. But that phrase is just, this morning I was able to wake up and be like, today I go to war. And uh, it gives you a different perspective about the, the life that, you know, it's a, our Christianity is playing out on a battlefield on this planet, you know, and um he shared a story, a Civil War story, which, which I could appreciate. I like Civil War things. But um, he, he shared about um, he shared it in general, but he was talking about a, one of the first battles in the Civil War um, was the Battle of Manassas. And at the time, you know, it was um, uh, the people in general assumed that the North was just going to come in, kick tail, and the war would be over, pack your bags, we all go home. We're happy in the United States of America still. Um, but on the battlefield that day, the, the, the battle line was going back and forth and things like that. And then, uh, eventually, that's where Stonewall Jackson got his name, uh, one of the commanders for the Southern Army there. And they said, you know, there he stands like a stone wall. And his troops rallied around him, and they actually won the battlefield that day. Well, in the process, there was uh, people wanted to come watch the battle. It was uh, kind of like uh, going to the theater or something like that, but people came and they were having picnics in the hills over, overlooking the battlefield. And he was talking about there was just this idea that there were people down in the battle dying, um, and there were people up on the hill having a picnic. And in the end, the troops, the federal troops, were in retreat, and, it, and they retreated past the picnicking onlookers, and some of them got trampled and things like that. But, but the point of it all was that we are in a spiritual battle, a spiritual war, and there's people out there dying, and and are we on a picnic? Is anyone on a picnic when you should be in the battle? And my hope is that each one of you would just have the sober perspective that there is war going on around you or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you you know think there's anything, demons or angels or all that. There, there is a very real war. There are people that are going to be dying for eternity, and let's not be on a picnic. Let's let's get our armor on. Let's today I go to war, you know, and um, I hope that would be our attitude in general at the firehouse here, but um, we're going to go ahead and pray and finish off this uh, 
this series we've started here. So, if you guys will, let's just bow our heads and pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just, uh, we just ask you to help us to catch that heart every day. Um, it is a battlefield whether we realize it or not, whether we want to be in it or not, we are. And the question is, are we fighting for you or not? Are we on a picnic? Um, Lord, I pray we'd be men and women who uh, have, have eyes to see what is going on all around us, who have a heart, who've, who've caught your heart on why we are here and what needs to happen and, the, and who are the captives that need to be set free um, and rescued, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us to grow more and more like you on that. Help us to think of the, the reality each morning when we wake up and kind of adjust our hearts uh, accordingly. Um, God, I pray that we be men who uh, men here that are praying for our families, praying to protect them, men who are praying for uh, our brothers and sisters. I pray you'd make us all men and women of prayer, that uh, we would be fighting for one another, fighting for the souls of those who've lost their relationship with you. God, I pray you'd bless uh, this series as we wrap up here, Lord. We've just tried to catch your heartbeat and, and make that our mission as a church and, and help us to put that into action today. We pray for this to just... Um, we don't deserve it, Lord. I, I don't deserve you to speak here. I, I just ask that you would for, for your sake, for your name. Um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, let's see here. So we uh, have been in a, a series here. So uh, if you are just visiting this morning, you, you've caught the end of the series. And we'll give you a recap here. So you got it all in one shot. Um, but it's, the series has been called Burning for His Glory. And, um, you know, what we're going to do to start here is just a review, and then we'll kind of bring things to a close. But um, we've covered uh, some of the territory we've covered. Really, we worked with this one sentence, you know, and we're in the sixth week talking about this one mission statement for, for our church, you know. And so I imagine we could have expanded it into more weeks, but somewhere along the way you lose momentum in a series, I think. Um, but... Uh, so the purpose of the Firehouse Church is to bring great glory um, to God by obeying. Did I put obeying? By obeying. <laughs> by obeying. And remember, we, we talked about, uh, I think, will these pop up one at a time here, I hope? Did I get that advanced or no? Oh, there, oh Okay, there we go. So bring glory to God by obeying. And again, obeying, we're comparing that as to thinking about the great commandment, pondering the great commandment. Uh, we're talking about obeying it, another different concept. I mean, and then there's the, the great commandment, yes, and then the, and the great commission. And so really, uh, as a church, our, our purpose is to bring glory to God by obeying the great commandment and obeying the great commission. We took a look along the way and we kind of defined those. You know, the, uh, anything that lives, lives out its God-given purpose brings glory to God. And then we looked at how one of the most important purposes we have is to love God supremely. It boils down really to loving God and loving people and to love God supremely. And we talked about, um, you know, that means loving God passionately with all your heart. That means loving God personally with your soul. That means loving God with all your mind thoughtfully. It means loving God with all your strength, even physically exerting your energy to love God supremely. Uh, the next one we talked about was uh, the great... Commission is broken into two main areas, and one is having to do with loving those who don't know God through, you know, through Christ. And, um, and we just talked about we are called to preach the good news to everyone everywhere. We went through a little acronym on that, but it's our job to get proactive 
uh, with people who don't know Christ. And it's our job to, to reach them with the good news about Jesus. We can be proactive and be a social butterfly, but that's not to be confused with reaching people with the good news about Jesus. Um, and then we talked about we're to reach everyone, everywhere, and that we are to ask God for their salvation and for our opportunities to share the gospel. We um, talked about catching God's heart. God is the one who knows the loss that's suffered the greatest. He knows it more than we do, but if we catch a little bit of his heart, how it would drive us on. Um, and then we talked about having no hindrances to getting the gospel out, whether it's unconfessed sin in our life, things we need to break free of. We talked about one of the greatest hindrances is an unbelieving heart. When we pray over and over and over again, not because we believe something, but because we don't, and we just keep asking for it, and it's without faith. And, and then Jeff uh, talked the following week about um, making disciples, that after we reach them with the gospel, we're to help them learn to trust and obey Jesus, to love and obey Jesus with every every aspect of their life and how we invest time in one another and how we help people follow Christ, even if people have helped us along the way. And um, then Brad spoke last week about some of the enemies that we have to doing this. We're trying to love God supremely. We're trying to love those who don't know God. Um, We're trying to build up those who are followers of Christ. And yet we have some very real enemies. Uh, One of the worst is our very own flesh that has a tendency towards self and not towards God. We also have the enemy of the world, of this system that's set up uh, to, to give us a bent to live for ourselves and our own passions, our own desires, and just things that are not of God. And then uh, we also have a very real enemy in, in the devil who hates God, who hates people in general, and he wants as many to be uh, punished with him in hell forever. And so those are our enemies. And today, the, the last thing we're going to talk about, kind of to, to tie things together, to wrap it up, and hopefully to empower us a little bit on living this out, is um, that as we, as we do all of the things, one of the things we have to catch here is that as you're lo- trying to love God supremely, as you're trying to love those who don't know Christ, as you're trying to build up those who do, one of the things that you'll become more like is, I think we have a blank here, you'll become more like Jesus. You know, And some would say, well, this is a specific purpose that you have to go after becoming like Jesus. And you know, I think that's fair enough, but the reality is, I think if you're trying to love God supremely, and, and Jesus said, hey, by the way, loving God means being obedient to everything I've said. That's a way to show love. That covers a lot of things. Um, but then loving people, and as we grow in that, you become more like Jesus. And, um, and that is also one of God's purposes. Um, I'll just do a quick verse on that. I, I heard this verse even in the prayer meeting this morning here, but um, it's Romans 8, 28 and 29. If you have a house Bible, you can turn there with me, Romans 8, 28 and 29. Um, and it says this. I'll let you maybe flip a few pages if you want. But um, some of you might know this first sentence or this first verse, maybe better than the second verse. But it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Uh, I think another uh, translation says that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and have been called towards his, uh, you know, and called to his purpose. And, you know, I think that, uh, boy, some of you have probably had some things going on in your life. I, I think about uh, even even the Luthers being here um, this morning with the surgery and stuff. And, Um, there's a real promise here that says God can work all these things. He can weave them together. And in the end, something good can still come of it. 
And that's an amazing promise. And we have to be careful. He says that he works all things together. Sometimes we go, take this one thing and make it good. And God says, well, I'm working it all together here for good. But really, the, the second part is some of the good that he has, which we can sometimes miss, is that this purpose, he goes on to say, for those who foreknew, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, predestined to become, to, uh, to be conformed to the likeness of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. But one of the purposes God has for us is to become conformed to the image of his son. One of God's purposes for your life is to become more like Jesus. And as you live that out, you will bring more glory to God. But, you know, uh, sometimes God uses broken things in this world to help us become more like Jesus. Jesus, um, you know, he was perfect in every way and stuff, but he also it says he was familiar with sorrows. He knew what sorrows and pain and hardship were like. And, and in that, there's something that helps us to become more like him even trusting God, even through hard things, believing God still has your best in mind, even through hard things, you know, and um, keeping faith through that. And so um, that's one of God's purposes for us, is to become more like His Son. And um, so, you know, just as, as we look at... Um, let me see here. Okay, we'll back up one here, just to the top of that. There you go. Great. So as we look at this, the whole series has been about, it's called Burning for His Glory. We've just talked about ways that we can... Um, bring God glory. And it's really a, you know, uh, in some ways you can summarize that in a sentence. It's a really simple sentence to understand. You know, obeying the great commandments, obeying the great commission, avoiding those things that get in the way. In the process, you'll become like Jesus. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. If we had a pop quiz right now, I bet you half of you could get that sentence right. You know, um, no, probably more than half. I'm just joking. Um, but uh, but it's it's kind of, you can grasp it in a sentence, but the hard part, I guess, is, is to live that out, you know. I think, honestly, you take any one of these facets we've talked about, uh, just loving God supremely. Say you just say, I'm going to try to do this the rest of my life. Um, that would be the hardest thing you ever try to do. And on top of that, there's a few other hard things to do. Reaching the lost, that's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Loving, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ who are goobers a lot like you, that's a really hard thing to do. Not to mention overcoming this being who ultimately hates you and the one you follow. That's a pretty hard thing to do and, and in the process become more like Jesus. You know, we're, we're talking about, uh, though it's some, somewhat clear what he's called us to, what would bring him glory, um, how we go about that is, is basically impossible. I mean, I think if we're honest about it, it's pretty much impossible to us. And um, one of the things I'd like to look at this next verse here is just really... Um, um, and again, maybe we could turn to this verse together in Matthew here, um, Matthew chapter 18. Someone has a page number, or 19, yep, Matthew 19. If you have a page number, if you could blurt that out. 976, 976 here, Matthew 19. And we're going to start looking around, um, uh, well, the passage here, start back maybe in verse 18, and, and we'll get to this one here, but... Oh, we could even start a little before that. Verse 16. We'll just read this together. Verse 16 of Matthew. Um, and it says, Now a, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me? Um, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. 
Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And we just, I just want to camp on that last, that last phrase there. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You know, I think there's a, obviously it applies directly to this situation. They're really talking about two things here. One is getting into heaven. It is impossible for man to get himself into heaven, basically, Jesus is saying. The other thing he's saying is that, well, how about living, living a perfect life here on earth? Well, again, I think that comes back to that would be impossible with man. But with God, all things are possible. And you know, so as we look at this series here about um, obeying the Great Commandment, obeying the Great Commission, um, overcoming our enemies, all these things, you know, I think this is so true. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And and I want to make sure we catch uh, maybe this, the point here of this first one is just that it's a it's a faith thing for sure. You know, we can look at this great mission and we go. That's impossible. I'm going to get back to doing my own thing because that's just too impossible. Um, or we could go after it in our own strength and just try to get it done and we find ourselves just running out of steam. Um, but we, we need to know that this is possible. And God, you know, Jesus isn't just some cruel taskmaster that says, hey, here's the hardest thing you'll ever be able to do. Now go do it. I know you're going to be really discouraged, but at least you'll go to heaven. No, Jesus said, hey, look, this is the highest, loftiest life you could ever live of bringing glory to God. And with you, on your own, you can't. But with, with God, with me, you can. And, and so that's, he's kind of wired it to be a, a faith thing. We wouldn't just look at it and go, yeah, I can do that. Or, yeah, I want to do something like that. But it requires faith. And we need to know that, the, you know, that God is obviously into faith. It's going to be a, a faith thing to depend on him. Just... Uh, Following Christ is, I think, in some ways, it's been a lot easier back in the days when he's walking around. You go, there's Jesus. I follow Jesus. You know, I, can, I get the hang of this. He says to go do something. I go do it. He sure he does the miracles. That would be wild. But, um, you know, in some ways, he told, like Thomas, he said, hey, Thomas, look, you've seen me and you believe. But really, those, those that haven't seen me and still follow me and they believe, there's a real blessing there. And, and we have a hard lot. You know, following the unseen Savior is it's by faith and um but that's the way he's wired it for us, you know. And um, just a few things to encourage. One promise maybe you can write down here just to help maybe encourage your faith. One, with God it is possible. But another thing is um, it's in First John 5 and it's verses 14 and 15. But here's a, another promise, something maybe to help you have faith as you're trying to live this mission out. And, and John writes this, you know, he was... Uh, one of the original followers of Jesus, one of the original disciples, he knew it was a life of faith, but he says this about our faith, about our confidence of those things we don't see. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask Him anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, 
we know that we have what we ask of Him. And the way I think, you know, there's so many ways to apply this promise, but one of the things you can know for sure is everything we've looked at in bringing glory to God, it's straight from His Word. His Word has revealed what He wants, what His will is. His will is that you love Him supremely. That's what He wants. His will is that you actually do share the good news with those who don't know Him. His will is that you actually invest in lives of people to help them become disciples. That's what He wants. And this promise says, hey, by the way, if you ask me for anything that's my will, I'll help you get it. I'll give it to you. I'll, you'll have it. And, and there's something that we really need to lean on. That's a promise that's available to us all. And you know, the real question is who, who wants to take that promise to his bank and try to cash it? Because we have a lot of need for a lot of opportunity, a lot of need for faith here. So, um, anyways, it's going to be a faith thing. And, and faith is one of the things we came away with at the men's conference is uh, when it comes to God's economy, uh, the kingdom of heaven economy, faith is the currency. I think of the verse, Galatians 5, 6, it says, um, uh, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. You're going to have to have faith if you're going to live this out, if you're going to live in God's economy and God's kingdom here. So, um, but here's some things that you can know. With God, it is possible. When you pray according to His will, He does hear you, and He's willing to give you what you're asking. And so, you might meditate on those and help it give you more faith that, hey, we can do this. You know, um, As a church, we can do this. In my own life, I can do this. Bring glory to God. Um, another thing we need to realize is that it's... Um, see this next thing here. Burning for His glory is... Um, you can put the point as well. Um, burning for His glory is a relational thing. When it comes to bringing glory to God, to living out His will, it's a relational thing. Um, that last verse said, with God, all things are possible. Meaning, like, together with God, all things are possible. It's not like saying, you stranded on earth is impossible. God in heaven can do anything. And, you know, and that's that. But it's a with God thing. And Jesus, at the end of this great command, hey, go reach the world with the good news. Go make disciples of those who receive it. By the way, I'm going to be with you. And if you forgot, I said earlier that when I'm with you, all things are possible. And it's a with God thing. You know, I'm... Sometimes I think there's two errors we can have on this whole um, Christian life or a mission like this. But one is it's a, it can, we can err on, it's a, it's a for God thing. You know, here's what I want you to do. Now go get it. Go, go live for God. And when you get to heaven, we'll find out how you did. And if you did good, you get a few pats on the back. And if you didn't, you know, you, you get in trouble or whatever. You get scolded in front of everybody. Um, but we can think it's, the for God life. I know what to do. I'm supposed to go love God. I'm supposed to get the gospel. I'm going to go do it for God. But that's, that's not exactly what he's, he assigned us to do. It's, you're not on your own. You weren't supposed to do it on your own. The other way we can err is like, okay, um, it's for God. And, uh, you know, instead of I'm living for God, God is living for me. Uh, the way I go about this is like all these promises. It's basically like I have promises to get God to do what I want him to do. And I just sit around, and I do nothing. I just go, God, you said you would do that, so go do that. And if it doesn't happen, well, you know, it's God's fault because, well, he's supposed to do it, you know. Um, but it's not like that either. And, and granted, there are promises. You can ask God to do things, and he will respond and, and put things in motion that you could not do. But it, it's not a, a for God, and it's not getting God to live the life for you, and you do nothing. Because he could have just easily said to his disciples, hey, disciples, look, I'm God, you're not. Um, you got to be here because someone's got to be on the planet. But here's what you do. Go sit in Jerusalem 
and I'm going to go make disciples of all the nations for you. You just sit here, and when we're done, I'll point to a few of you and go, hey, good job, you made a lot of disciples. Though actually I did the whole thing for you. You know, um, It's not going to be like that either. It's, it's designed to be a with God sort of thing. Um, you know, I think about going through the Old Testament now, if you're reading the one-year Bible, you've been through some of the story on Moses. And, you know, the way God worked with Moses, the way he worked with his disciples had some similarities in that it was a together thing. You know, God could have just said to Moses, hey, look, Moses, I'm just going to make you like this supernatural human being. You're going to be like Moses the superhero, and you're going to go do things, and when you say something, things happen. And whatever you want to do with your stick, you just do it, and, and things will happen. But, um, but God didn't wire it that way, did he? You know, he told Moses, hey, take your stick, throw it down. When you do it, I'll turn it into a snake. So he takes his stick, it throws it down, it turns into a snake. Um, you know, he gets to the Red Sea to have the Red Sea part. You know, Moses didn't go, hey, this stick is awesome, I'm supernatural. Let me start just swinging the stick, make this big fan, and it blows the ocean apart. No, God said, hey, look, Moses, you're going to go stand by the sea. You're going to raise your stick. And as you do that, I'm going to part the seas for you. It was a together with God sort of deal. It was a relational thing. And we just need to realize that this mission that we've been given is a relational thing. Jesus gave us the biggest mission this world has ever known. And he says, by the way, I'm coming with you. And I've got everything you need to get this done. Um, but it's so easy to forget he's with us. It's so easy to go, I, I can't do it or, um, you know, whatever it is. But he's saying, hey, I'm with you. We can get this done. And so we just need to remember it's a, it's a with God sort of thing. Um, I, I love the... The, the expression how he says, uh, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, that's in Matthew, um, let me look at that real quick, in Matthew 11 or Matthew 10 at the end of the chapter there. But um, I just think it's one of the, it seems like this great contradiction. Um, Matthew 11 at the end of the chapter, you know, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, sometimes that just seems like such a contradiction. We're supposed to reach the world with the gospel. We're supposed to make disciples. We're supposed to give everything in our love to God. And Jesus said, by the way, that's a real easy yoke, you know. Um, But really what he's saying is that, um, you know, a yoke is like if you think of a, a yoke of oxen or something, it's, it's for two. A yoke is for two. And he's like, hey, I'm in this, and you can come along with me. And sure, he's going to carry the, the burdens. He's going to get the things done. But he wants it to be a relational thing. He, uh, he calls us to come alongside him to do this. And we just need to make sure we're... Our, the easy part, I think, the light part is that it all boils down into a loving relationship. If you're in a loving relationship with God, trusting him, responding obediently to him, Life can be easy. It'll be supernatural. It'll be beyond what you could ever do on your own. But if you're doing it with Him, it, it'll be easy. And the burden will be light. Um, and, and we need to catch that. There's something there that's a, it's a relational thing. And it's, it's something He really wants us to catch if we're going to get it done. Um, the other thing we want to look at here about just burning for His glory is... Um, and we have this verse here. we go as well. Um, just one of the verses we started off the series um, with was just talking about the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And when it comes to living for His glory, you know, we have an example in Jesus. We, we, we have an example. He showed us 
Hey, if you want to know what a life spent living for the glory of God is, it's Jesus. We've seen it. And not only that, He makes Himself a source for us to live for His glory. We're together with Him, but He's also a source for everything that we need. And I love some of these verses about them. And it says he was the glory. Um, Hebrews, um, Hebrews 1, 2, it says it like this. It's just, um, I'll start in verse 1, but it says, In the past, God spoke through our forefathers, through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, through whom he has, um, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. But I love that phrase there, the Son. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being. God just radiates his glory through the life of Jesus. And um, I love how the disciple says here, John says, and we've seen it. We've seen that glorious life. We saw it. We touched it. We, We heard from him. And John obviously recorded his experience as well for us, for our faith. But it's really, to be burning for his glory is really a Jesus thing. I think of the time where Jesus uh, overturned the tables in his father's temple and he cracked the whip. And, um, you know, then it said the disciples remembered that verse that says, zeal for my father's house consumes me. Um, You know, we want to be burning for his glory. We want to have a desire to do God's will and be passionate about it. But Jesus was burning for His glory. And, and He's made Himself available to us to have that same passion that He had here. Um, one of the last things we're going to look at, just a, a verse that we'll review from, from the first week, is just this one here. It just says, So whether you eat, this is 1 Corinthians 10.31, but so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And, you know, Jesus did everything for the glory of God. He showed us what that life would look like. And it was amazing. It was radiant. It was glorious. And But He calls us to that same thing. I, I want you to live for the glory of God. And, um, you know, there's a verse, another verse here uh, I'll just read to you, but kind of talks about this as well, about reflecting His glory. And this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. One more time here. This is talking about us. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You know, it's just basically saying that God, by His Spirit, is transforming you and I to more fully reflect His glory. Jesus reflected God perfectly in this world, and He calls us to be a reflection of Him. And, you know, I just want to think about that, that idea of um, being, how, how well are you reflecting Jesus and His glory in this world? Um, it's kind of like, I think of the idea, the analogy of like a lighthouse, you know. Um, imagine you're like this lighthouse. Maybe there's this internal lighthouse device inside you. And there's a very, very bright light in there, Jesus, uh, through His Holy Spirit. And, and yet you have this part of you that's kind of like your reflecting part, your, your mirror that reflects that light out into the dark world, you know. And um, the question really becomes, how much of Jesus' light is being reflected from you? Like that mirror that it's reflecting off of is, is, is your character, is your Christ-likeness. 
and how much coming from His radiance is coming off of you. And that's something just to think about. You know, it's like a, if you had a, a mirror here and, and uh, there was a source of light and, you know, in general, a clean mirror would reflect that light well. But what happens with, with us and our mirror? You know, it's, uh, it's kind of like a mirror that's got mud on it or it's got oil or grease or grime on it and you go to reflect light off of a dirty mirror, um, what do you get? A blur of some sort of light. You get a, a little better than nothing, but it's, it's kind of this blur and Jesus was the full radiance of God and, and He wants to be able to reflect Himself through you and I. And, you know, and I just want to ask you, how well is that going? How, how much is He being reflected through you? We each kind of have to do our, our, our part on that. You know, I think of this verse here in Ephesians. It's talking about, you know, it's a verse that's known for um, husbands and wives. But in it, He gives us a picture of what Christ has done with His bride here. And, you know, and husbands and wives are supposed to relate as, as Christ relates with His bride. But verse uh, 26 and 27 of Ephesians chapter 5 I'll read that if you can flip with there. Great. But um, again, he's talking about how he laid down Christ. I'll start in verse 25 here. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or other blemish, but holy and blameless. You know, Christ lived out this perfect, glorious life and he, has, um, he wants His bride to be the same way. He wants His bride to be radiant. And, and how does the bride get radiant if, if all the individual parts that make up the bride are not radiant? He wants each one of us to reflect His glory fully. And, and He says one of the ways we do that is His Word washes us. It makes us more like Jesus. You know, Jesus was called the Word in flesh, the living Word. And really, as we take the written Word and we apply it to our lives, the more you apply God's Word to your life, the more you will look like Jesus. And the more you know of God's Word, how much of that reflects in the image there? Well, it's not really about what you know. It's about what your life lives out. Jesus lived out the Word perfectly. And the more you live out His Word, and so the way we can become reflect more of Him in some ways is taking His Word. Maybe there's verses. Maybe there's areas in your life where you go, boy, what, what would reflect Jesus in that? I'm doing it differently. What would really reflect Jesus in that situation? His light can't make it through me there because, well, because I'm not doing that, you know. And, and I just think we need to uh, think of God's Word as, as where does it contradict my life, my choices, my attitude, and, and ask Him for, you know, His Spirit to help us change that. And so um, we're going to just wrap up with just this thoughts on, on His glory. There's a few uh, Olympic thoughts I, I come to mind related to living for His glory. And, um, you know, God's Word stands alone without the Olympics. He invented that before the Olympics were invented and things like that. Um, but there's some things as we've been watching the Olympics that have stood out to me. You know, um, we have all been designed to bring glory to God. And, you know, we have to ask the question, whose glory are you living for? And when you see the Olympics... Um, you know, I don't know. I think uh, some of them might be Christians in there and they might put their two cents in about God or Jesus helping them along the way or something. But one of the things I've noticed really clearly is those who don't mention anything about God at all. There's this one guy, and he'll remain nameless because this is probably not an uncommon attitude, but he got a gold medal in an event. They were interviewing him, kind of asking him who he wanted to give thanks to. And 
kind of like he gave thanks to himself. It's like, I did all the hard work, I trained, I deserved this gold medal. And you just kind of go, wow, you know. Um, but we can find ourselves being like that. Whose glory are you supposed to be living for? God's or yours, you know. And, um, and that just kind of stood out to me. There's, our lives are really a glory thing, and you've got to decide whose you want to live for. Um, and then, and then you've got to decide, you know, do I really want to live for it? Do I really want to go for it? Um, I was struck by, um, uh, you know, Apollo Ono was kind of in the news there. He got another medal here yesterday. Um, and, you know, I could take or leave him, but I, one of the attitudes of his, that he had stuck with me. And they were talking about his training and things like that, and that he says one of the things he strives for is at the end of every day, he asks himself, did you give your best today? Did you give your best today? And he says, you know, it's a hard question to look straight in the eyes, but at the end of the day, he tries to answer that, and his hope is that he can say yes. And that's his goal for skating and things like that, and, and that's, that's fine. That works out well if, it, if you're training for the Olympics, and at the end of the day, you can say, yeah, I did give my best. Um, but I think we each should be asking ourselves that question. In the morning, I'm thinking of the question, today I go to war, but at the end of the day, I, I might be able to ask, did I give my best today for God's glory? Did I give my best for God's glory today? And we need to each ask ourselves that. And at the end of the day, you know, for me, some days I go, I didn't even think about that question. You know, I was just trying to, trying to get through the day. I had a lot to do, and it's a hard day. And, boy, I don't even want to come near that question at the end of the day. But if you know you're going to show up and ask yourself that, you might be throughout the day going, am I giving my best? And not even only my best but what Christ brings to the table through my prayers, through my relationship with Him. Am I giving the best that can be given through my life today? And, and we just want to be asking ourselves that. You know, in some ways, I think of these guys, uh, it's like if we were all Olympians and we're all in training uh, and it's kind of like, you know, uh, Olympics for the kingdom of God. But at the end of it, you kind of take all the medals that you earn based on your efforts, based on your thing. And in some ways, you take all your medals and you go... Lord Jesus, the one who saved me, here, here's what I have to offer you. This is what I did for you. And, and at the end of it all, you're going to have to ask, you, do you have anything to offer him? Did you go after any medals for him, for his glory? Because um, some might go, man, it's just too hard. I'm just going to be glad to be in heaven. Well, there'll probably be some people like that, but I hope that would not be us, that we could say, by your grace, with your help, here's what I have to lay at your feet. And, and that we would all be able to do that with with the lives that we live here. And so, um, just just to close, um, quick review, you know, again, we're living, our purpose of the church, if you haven't come away with this, I hope by now you, you have, you catch it. Um, we want to bring great glory to God by obeying the great commandment and the great commission. That's what we're going to be going after. The whole reason we're doing this outreach class is so we can better bring glory to God. It shows God love when we obey Him. One of the hardest commands to obey is sharing our faith, and we are in some training for that, so that at the end maybe we could say, here, here's what I have to offer you um, by your grace. And, um, and, so, and then, you know, in the process here, our hope is to become more and more like Christ. And, um, but I just encourage you to be praying and asking for help, acknowledging you can't do this, but with Christ you can. But he wants it to be a relational thing. It's not all about you. It's not all about him. It's about he's with us to the end of the age. And then it's a, you know, it is a, a Jesus thing in the way that he lived this out. And he has everything we need. Uh, he's the source of that for us. And we can reflect that. 
And again, it's all for His glory here. And so, um, let's see, 11.37. We'll go ahead and close. And I just want to leave you thinking about the idea that, um, you know, the, the Bible says, Romans 3.23, it says we've all fallen short of that glory. We're trying to live this glorious, perfect life for God. He says, hey, look, I'm perfect. I've created this world perfectly. And I want you to live that way in my world. And it says we've all fallen short of that, you know. And um, in some ways, to think of falling short, it is a lot like the Olympics, like archery or something. They say that the concept of sin is kind of like missing the mark. You shoot and you miss the mark. You know, and in that context, it's like, well, oh, that's not a big, what's the big deal? I'll shoot again, or uh, at least I got a couple in there, you know. Um, but when it comes to living for God's glory, the whole reason we're here is to live for His glory. And any place where we don't live for His glory, uh, we live for our own glory, or we don't give Him the glory that's due Him, it violates Him. It violates His character, His perfect character. It violates His eternal character. And He says, hey, part of His justice is that He must punish every, every place His character has been violated. And that obviously to violate an eternal uh, law carries an eternal consequence. And we just need to realize that um, we've all fallen short. You know, I hope you would each realize that by now, but sometimes it takes some of us longer than others to figure that out. But, but the, you know, the good news is that um, God is relational. You know, He existed in love and He made us to have loving relationship. And I, I think of heaven and hell, sometimes we can think of heaven and hell as like these locations. You know, hell is the hot location and it's bad there and whatever, and heaven is the nice, puffy, cloudy location and probably air-conditioned and things like that. And um, But, you know, the... the the essence of heaven and hell has to do with uh, your relationship with God. You know, and hell is a place where God will not be. And um, one observation of hell is, is described as the bottomless pit, that the devil and all those who've um, rebelled against God will be placed in the bottomless pit, and they'll be weeping and flames and gnashing of teeth. But one of the things that stands out to me relationally is that... Uh, it's one place where you can continue to grow farther and farther away from a relationship with God forever. Do you know the essence of hell is not about the flames. It's not about the. It's about the being far from God, and He loves you so much. But there's a place that you'll finally get what you want. If you didn't want God invading your life, if you didn't want Jesus. He didn't have to die for you. You're going to finally get a place where you'll experience that to its fullness, and it'll be terrible. And that's the essence of hell. One of the verses we're memorizing in our outreach class is hell is a, a place where you'll be shut out from the presence of the Lord forever. And anything good, there's so many good things in this life we take for granted that ultimately trace their source back to God. That He gave us love, that He's given us loving relationships, that He's given us joy, He's given us things that we can feel good about and none of that will be in hell. And yet on the other side of that coin is that heaven is compared to one of the most relational things possible. You know what it's to be like when we arrive? A wedding ceremony. And Christ is going to somehow come together with His bride. You don't get a closer intimacy than that. And there's heaven and oneness and closeness with God and He wants a radiant, glorious bride. And there's hell. And there's being shut out from His presence forever. It'll be the most dreadful thing. And our heart, our hope is that none of you would want to go there. You see, we all deserve to go there and be separated from God forever, but God loved us so much He sent Jesus to take on our punishment. You know, it's like John 3.16, we shared earlier on in this series that God so loved the world He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. And before each one of you, there is life and there is death. And God has made a way that if you just look to Jesus and say, I do need your forgiveness. I do need a Savior. He promises you eternal life. And if you reject God and Jesus, you will get what's coming to you, which will be a separation from God and anything related to Him forever. And our hope is that you at least understand that's the consequence. And God loves you so much. He gave Jesus that you could just look to Him as your Savior. And it will all change for eternity. You will be with God in loving relationship forever. Let's just close in prayer here. Lord Jesus, we just... uh, These truths about you, about your love, about your longing for relationship with us, Lord, they are... They're deep, they're they're powerful, Lord God. And I just pray each one of us would just catch maybe a, a greater glimpse of your love, of your longing for relationship with us, Lord. When you call someone lost, it is that they are lost to you, the one who loves them, the one who has good for them, the one who wants to comfort them. Lord God, I pray there would be none in this room who are continuing to be lost from relationship with you, none who continue to have their back turned to you, but... In humility, they would turn towards you as their Savior. As you say, turn to me and be saved, all you nations. And I just pray, Lord, you'd help us to get that message out to others. Lord, this world, so many people don't even realize what's at stake. They don't realize they're on a spiritual battlefield with the devil who hates them and just wants them to to be uh, punished to hell for whatever reason, not even worshiping him, but just to not turn to you. Lord, help us to... Get the word out about your love. Help us to love you with everything we've got. Help us, Lord Jesus, to burn for your glory. We ask for this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming this morning. And uh, we will uh, catch you next Sunday right here. We'll start, a, I think, a new two-part series just related to the Holy Spirit and living a supernatural life. And hope to catch you Wednesday night at the outreach class. So thanks again.